0: I hope most of you guys are doing well, and welcome to another episode of A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I'll be digging through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells, and taking a light-hearted, laid-back and positive fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different and pointless set theme every episode. Choosing from any song part or artist that gives me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown but I will leave my favorite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to buy a record, listen to an old favorite album, support a musician and check out some of this amazing shit that has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think that I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I won't ever check this email at gofuckyourself.cockgoblin and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me at suggestions at a or on Instagram, a Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole podcast. And if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also visit a com for Spotify playlist of all the songs used in each episode, links to all the past episodes and some other golden magic. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, A Rock and roll Rabbit Hole Podcast. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to listen, and here goes. Before we get into part two of my rabbit hole dig on the great artists who died by 40, I strongly recommend you listen to last week's episode. And I want to say a quick thanks to Scott Hamilton from New Zealand, Sean McMahon from the True Blue Crime podcast for giving me a shout out this week, Hugh, the Hillsville Hawk-Holland hybrid, Blaines, Den Meggett, I know your dirty little hip-shaking secret now, mate, and Hansi Cronier fan Greg Falzoni for rating the podcast, thanks, mate. Greg probably has a spare room this weekend in Byron Bay with the stupid government forcing Bluesfest to cancel for a second year. Please rate, review and share the podcast on the Purple Apple app. With no further ado, here's part two of Dead by 40.
1: All dead, all dead.
0: Segment 3, Drugs and Booze. We spoke of Def Leppard last episode. Guitarist and Hall of Famer Steve Clark was aged just 30 when he died on his couch with a blood alcohol reading of 0.30 and morphine in his system. At the time, he was on a six-month break from the band just to get his shit together after some rough recording attempts. Here's Earl Hickey from My Name Is Earl introducing the next song.
2: No, I don't have a gambling problem. I'm winning, and winning is not a problem. That's like saying Michael Jordan has a basketball problem, or Def Leppard has an awesomeness problem. So why don't you all just pour some sugar on that?
0: straight up heroin overdoses.
3: Hi, welcome to CNN Headline News. I'm Anna Hovind. The lead singer of the rock band, Alice in Chains, has been found dead in his Seattle home. The partially decomposed body of 34-year-old Lane Staley was discovered Friday night. Medical examiners identified it during an autopsy Saturday. Authorities have not yet released the cause of death. Seattle police say there were no signs of foul play and there was nothing suspicious. Alice in Chains was one of the most successful bands of the grunge rock era in the early 1990s.
0: On April 19th, 2002, Staley's accountants contacted his former manager, Susan Silver, and informed her that no money had been withdrawn from the Singer's bank account in two weeks. Silver then contacted Staley's mother, who placed a call to 911 to say that she had not heard from him in about two weeks. The police went with his mum to Staley's home and found he had died. It was reported that the six-foot Staley weighed only 86 pounds, which is about 39 kilos, when his body was discovered, partially decomposed, and medical examiners had to identify the body by comparing dental records. The autopsy and toxicology report revealed that he died from a mixture of heroin and cocaine, known as a speedball. The autopsy also concluded that he had been dead for about two weeks before his body was found on April five the same day Kurt Cobain had died eight years prior. Alice in Chains, Wood. died at the age of 26 and was also mentioned in episode 8 and 9, Name Changing Game Changers Graham Parsons He was briefly the guitarist in episode 11 and 12, Rabbit Hole's The Birds as well He died at Joshua Tree after a night partying Here's Graham talking about one of his and also one of my favourite Rolling Stones songs, Wild Horses
4: The first time I heard it was The Night After Altamont and to, well, we were all you know just shaking from the whole experience, and they were leaving the next day, or at least Mick was, to uh, take his suitcase of money to Switzerland, <laughs> and uh, and, uh, <laughs> and he said, "I want you to hear this song, man, because I think it's something that you might be interested in." And he played me "Wild Horses" and "Brown Sugar," and I, I really dug, they recorded them in Muscle Shoals about a week, or two before and I dug it and it was a couple of months later I got a call from him and he said "Uh, if I send you the master will you put a steel guitar on it and I said sure I will he sent me the master and I got Denny Cordell to produce it and we went into the record plant and I got Leon Russell in there and somebody came in with some sort of strange dust And things just went haywire. The engineer forgot where he was and things like that. And uh, (laughs) so they didn't use that, that track. And I asked Nick if we could put it on our next album if we didn't release it as a single. And he thought about it and said, all right. And then they didn't release it, I think, for almost a year after that. I don't know why. It's a beautiful song.
0: And here's Graham's version with the Flying Burrito Brothers. I hope to cover Graham Parsons' bizarre dead body story in another rabbit hole, but in the meantime, you should Google that shit. Do it. Another heroin overdose that could have been an accident, suicide, or some claim that his mother was actually responsible for giving him the drugs, but she claims it was a suicide pact with his girlfriend Nancy, who he stabbed to death on the 12th of October 1978. We are talking, of course, about the Sex Pistols' Sid Vicious. Sid's mother claims she found a note about a suicide pack they had had together in a jacket after his death. Sid had also attempted suicide 10 days after Nancy's death by slitting his wrists and here's the peachy holiday in the sun by the Sex Pistols. actually saw this next guy wandering around in Paris a few months before his death. Here's Blind Mallon's Shannon Hoon talking about Kurt Cobain's death.
4: The pinnacle of teen angst. Kurt Cobain died today. Um,
1: killed himself. He was disturbed when he died because maybe he saw reflection or, you know, knew drugs were involved. And I think that he felt uh, compassion for his daughter and his wife. I think a lot of people,
4: including his little baby girl, probably
5: are hurting. Don't you think? Food.
0: Shannon was really bummed out. I don't know if he saw part of himself in that, or just could relate to the guy's pain, I think. He's another member of A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole's episode eight and nine. Shannon grew up in Indiana, and his sister was good friends with Axel Rose. After a bad gig on October 20th, 1995, he launched into a bender and died on their tour bus at the age of 28 and left behind a three-month-old daughter. Blind melon, no rain. Before Jeff men and Stone Gossard played in Pearl Jam, they were in a band, Mother Love Bone, and their singer, Andrew Wood, passed away from a heroin overdose aged just 24. So Hillel Slovak was the founding guitar player in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who passed away at the age of 26 in 1988 from a heroin overdose. Another rock and roll hall of famer, here's Flea talking about Hillel's death. The
6: recently completed tour had begun with Hillel in a state of weakness. He was pale, depleted, and ghostly, his spirit diminished. During the first show, he left the stage after one song, unable to keep it together because of dope sickness. He gathered his strength as the tour progressed, though, and as he kicked the habit, his soul, humor, and flowing funk grew back into its naturally evolved state. It had become clearer than ever that this drug thing was no game. I saw Rob Halala as his natural truth for a time. This was no experimental romance of youth anymore. It was fucking terrible. As we walked into our apartment, I noticed a huge quantity of messages on the answering machine. The first one was from RHCP manager, Lindy, who said tersely, call me as soon as you get this, and hung up. The phone was ringing off the hook. Loisha answered, Didn't say anything. Just looked confused and passed me the phone. The sky fell in. Halal was dead. I crumpled to the floor. No more nothing. No more dancing. No more arguments or petty bullshit. No more supportive discussions. No more yearning. No more discovering ourselves together in the funky grooves. No more of the easy laughter at the unsaid jokes. No more chance to fix it. No more riding the ships in our fleet gone straight out to sea. No more outdoing each other with the absurd. No more of his soulful guidance that had helped me profoundly time and time again. No more nothing. His inspiration lives in me. I would never be the flea y'all know without him. Left with love and admiration for him. Left with the confusing pain of all that was unresolved and the absolute knowledge that love is the only thing that counts in the end. It was devastatingly final. I lay with my bride, Louisa, my unborn Clara, and we all wept.
3: This evening is that Phil Linnert is dead. He died at Salisbury Infirmary just 20 minutes ago, 11 days after he was admitted there with liver and kidney failure. He'd collapsed at a Christmas Day party and was taken initially to a clinic specializing in drug and alcohol treatment. The official hospital statement said he died from pneumonia and heart failure. The former Thin Lizzy Singer was just 36.
1: told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men
0: This next great Aussie band had two members sadly pass away before 40. Guitarist Brad Robinson fell to lymphoma at the age of 36, and co-lead singer and guitarist Guy McDonough died at just 28 in 1984. After contracting pneumonia when trying to detox off a serious heroin and booze addiction. Here's Guy singing Australian Crawls classic and sad Oh No Not You Again with a beautiful guitar intro from the great super underrated Simon Binks. up we have the heavy drinkers arguably the greatest drummer of all time
2: john bonham found dead in bed yesterday in london at the home of the group's guitarist jimmy page
3: john bonham drummer with the british rock group led zeppelin since its inception in 1968 was found dead today at the home of a friend in windsor england bonham was 32
0: here's robert plant talking about bonham
7: I did yeah. yeah he was my brother
0: and that's why that's Could why the
8: band me. had to end when he died because mm-hmm. he was the heart and soul for you right
7: well he was a good part of it he was also um you know he was a loose cannon but he was a spectacular guy mm-hmm. he was a, a good-hearted man are you fierce, he helped
8: me a lot are you fiercely uh, anti-alcohol and drugs because of what it did to the band
7: no because it's it sort no, of i'm not i'm I, not and drugs i have no interest in right never did did, I did a little bit, yeah, but it it got in the way of
8: joy. Right, and and when Jimmy got into drugs and, and Bonzo was <clears throat> alcohol in and up, that had to be um, life-draining to you, in, yeah. in a sense. I mean, because then then you lose the spirit of what it is you got into this for. What happened to me was
7: this sort of thing. I was in a car wreck in um, the mid-70s, and I was in a wheelchair for seven months. And um,
8: You had to stop a tour, right? Ah uh, yeah. Did we you feel st- guilty because you you kind of like kept the band <laughs> off the road for a year? Was that a tremendous no, no, pressure? We,
7: no, no. Of course, you can't feel guilty about being nearly dead.
8: Right. Um, Your wife was driving the car at the time, mm. and it was a terrible car. I remember thinking like you were dead. I remember because mm. you know you read these things. They didn't have the internet at that point. It was very Worse very a blessing, confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And
7: you had to wait for the paper to come from Greece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It yeah. took forever, but, but but the deal was my yeah. point is <clears throat> that when you've been out of the the game when you can't drive a car when you can't get in the bathtub when you can't do anything why waste a second of time you
8: know after that
2: life became precious right. you knew how yeah. yeah
8: would you try to say to bonzo or jimmy hey guys that life is precious what are you doing to yourselves we, we have this great career going we have music we have wealth now we well, have everything
7: no it, well wealth is is as much as it is Material. it's also a condition of the mind, you know. So you've got to be, actually, you have to have your own internal wealth uh, and it has to be built in, not sort of jammed in there. And we never ever, their lives, their own free time was their own free time. And it always was like that. And that was one of the reasons why we actually did maintain some sanity throughout the real crazy days because we didn't spend all that time we didn't live together off the road or anything like that. I used to see Bonzo a lot, but we'd just be in the pub, you know.
8: Um, so it's probably healthier, right? Because well, if you spend yeah. that much time together, you become, you become aggravated with one another. Your personalities start to clash.
7: Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You know, also, I mean, geographically, me and Bonzo lived where we always lived. Right. And so that was that. So I didn't follow anybody's private lives.
0: Led Zeppelin, when the levee breaks. Another great drummer and total rock and roll madman who also died at the age of 32. Same as John Bonham was the Who's Keith Moon. Although his death wasn't just of drinking, he did die after a night of drinking and then taking 32 tablets with clomethazole, And his last words to his girlfriend were, if you don't like it, you can fuck off. (laughs) After she refused to cook him steak and eggs. The Who, my generation.
1: about my Don't try to dig what we all s- say.
9: i trying to cause a big s- s- sensation.
1: just talking about my generation.
0: Solo. <laughs>
10: Stop it! Why don't you all fade away? Don't try to dig what we all
1: try to cause a big sensation.
9: My generation. My generation.
0: My generation after a night out this aussie legend died at 33 after passing out drunk in a car the coroner called his passing death by misadventure
4: Singer of the rock group acdc was found dead last night in a parked car in south london scotland yard said so the body of 30 year old bond scott was discovered
0: by a friend who had left him in the car hours earlier to sober up after a day's drinking here angus talks about bond's passing
2: uh, it's the same as losing, for us it was like losing a member of your family mm. So, uh,
0: it's very, very difficult
2: to, to go through something like that you know, Because not only is it your, um, how do you say, your friend It's also somebody you've been clo- you know, working with all that time So it's very hard to decide what you want to do you know, And how can you um, be respectful of the fact that The guy's been so close to you.
0: And here's the Easy Beats, Stevie Wright. It
4: was um, the day Bond died, my first day. So it was difficult, you know. Um, How do I feel about that? Mate, I've been involved in drugs and alcohol and you you know, like the Skid Row scene for about 10 years. You know, I'm used to people dying. I thought Bond was, yeah, he was a good mate. He was another casualty. Uh, I felt sad because he was a unique performer and had lots to offer still and blew it. But I know the power of alcohol and drugs. I know it. And I know that it can take anybody, any time.
0: ACDC, rocker. Just as a side rabbit hole and to freshen the air in here for a little bit and take a bit of a breather from all the carnage. Using the name so far on this episode, I have put together my ultimate Dead by 40 five-piece super group. And here's the lineup. Drums, John Bonham. Bass and vocals, Phil Linett. Guitar and vocals, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Guitar and vocals, John Lennon keyboard and sax fuck keys and sax let's chuck another guitarist in guitar and vocals jeff buckley and huge apologies to bond scott and otis redding but you don't play the guitar so fuck you second thoughts sorry Jeff Buckley you're out Bon Scott in we may need bagpipes DM me on Instagram a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast if you have a better lineup. and if anyone hits me up I'll read it out next week's episode and nicely shit on you it would be cool to hear your thoughts and some different lineups and if you're listening in the future still hit me up wouldn't mind checking it out
3: Good morning. It's just after half past five on Saturday the 9th of April. Welcome to ITN's morning news. The lead singer of Nirvana, one of the world's most popular rock bands, has been found dead at his home in Seattle. Police said Kurt Cobain had apparently shot himself and a suicide note was found nearby. His body was found in an apartment above a garage at the house. Cobain wrote most of the music and lyrics for Nirvana's top-selling albums.
0: Section 4, The 27 Club. We have all heard of the 27 Club, a weird age where a bunch of legendary artists have passed away. I'm a bit embarrassed that it's taken me 13 episodes and I've only had one mention of this guy in episode 4, Drugs, as I'm a big Nirvana fan. Here's Dave Grohl talking about Kurt's death and what he learnt from it. I don't think of
11: Kurt as Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. I think of him as Kurt. And so, you know, it's, it's something that comes back all, all the time, you know, almost every day. Bridge, it's just a part of my life, you know, just as Nirvana becoming a really popular band is a huge part of my life. So is that, you know, there's moments in my life that I really consider, like, these markers. I remember the day this happened. I remember the day that happened, and that's one of those days, you know, and, um... What do you remember about that? Well, if you've ever lost someone really close to you, it's heartbreaking, It's the worst thing in the world, I actually remember the next day waking up and feeling like wow I am waking up today and he's not so I really have to take advantage of this time that I have you know and and that's kind of been the way I've lived my life ever since then like every day I wake up and I'm truly thankful for
0: everything that i have as mentioned in episode 13 some of the audio is a bit substandard off youtube but i think it's important to add it just to add some human emotion to the stories if you do know how to fix audio please send me an email at i don't care it will take me too long to fix it at a rock and roll rabbit hole.com and i will uh, check it out thank you and here's the haunting nirvana song something in the way
4: Underneath the bridge Top has sprung
0: Mark Ronson and Duran Duran's Simon LeBon talking about this next human. Check her voice out on the in-between clips of her tracking vocals. So good.
12: It's not enough, you love blow and I love
1: pub.
12: And life is like a pipe. And I'm a tiny penny rolling up the walls inside.
13: I knew about Amy a little bit 2003 around Carnival. I think that's right when Frank dropped. So I remember just seeing these posters everywhere. She was like smiling and laughing in this picture, and she looked kind of hot. Guy Moot, who was the head of EMI Publishing, said, do you know Amy Winehouse? She's in new york for like a day do you want to meet with her and i was like yeah i remember like that thing she put out and we're sitting in my studio and i'm like what kind of record do you want to make she's like i've been listening to all this girl group stuff like the Shangri Las, and i just i love this music
12: he left no time to regret camp his dick away With his same old safe bed Me And my head high And my tears dry Get on without my guy.
13: By the third or fourth day, the first time I did something that she didn't like I was working on this instrumental track and she came, I was like, do you like this? And it was like a little too like clap, busy, like funky. And she was like, no, <laughs> and I started kind of scrambling, like taking different things out of the track. Like whatever, what about Like, is it that thing you don't like if I take that shaker out? She's like, Mark, it's shit. Like, why are you trying to fix it? While that bluntness kind of stung quite a bit for like probably an hour, like it was, it was a good good lesson just like how to just make better shit and just be more honest. And here's Simon LeBon. we got to talk about um,
7: Back to Black, which is just one of the best albums of the century. I mean, an extraordinary album. His ability to create um, like a kind of backdrop in front of
13: which Amy was able to let rip the most emotional songs it was it was incredible
1: the winner of the best British female Amy Winehouse
7: Let me bring you some breaking news now. Coming into us from Sky Sources, the singer Amy Winehouse has been found dead in her North London flat, just 27 years old. The singer has had uh, well documented problems with drink and drugs, and last month uh, had a disastrous show uh, in Serbia. She had to stumble off stage, she was booed off stage. Well, we are now being told by Sky Sources. The 27 year old singer who found much critical acclaim uh, has been found dead at her flat in North London.
0: Amy Winehouse, Rehab. Shannon Hoon from Blind Mallon in Paris earlier. On that same trip, I visited the cemetery that is the final resting place of this legend who died in a bath of a rumoured heroin overdose. Here's Doors drummer John Densmore talking about Jim Morrison and his death and guys who he thinks would be great Doors singers. The
5: legal drug, which um, at the time we didn't have substance abuse clinics and we didn't know uh, he had a disease, you know. Uh, I'm wondering if today, like Eminem, who's this angry, creative guy, can put out an album called Recovery, maybe Jim could have done the same. That was my cross to bear. I mean, I found my path in music, and I was being creative, and I I was in a band with a self-destructive kamikaze Dionysus drunk. And it was hard, but I I couldn't give it up, because I knew there was magic. I have a formula for success, and it's in three parts, and it's in this order. First, luck. You know, I mean, there's a lot of talented people that aren't getting anywhere, and a lot of people that are well-known that aren't very talented. And then chutzpah, you got to hustle. And then talent. I'm now open to the idea of us maybe playing, uh, like Pink Floyd did a get-together, and they've had their struggles um, for live-aid or something, some kind of altruistic uh, one-off or two. As
13: far as a singer, though, how would you approach that?
5: I think the only singer we could get for that would be Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Well, I can't... (laughs) Uh, You know, I I adore backing up Bono, Eddie Vedder.
13: Eddie Vedder, yeah. Eddie Vedder would be a good choice. Well,
5: Eddie Vedder inducted us into the Rock and Roll Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame and sang break on through roadhouse and light my fire with it.
0: Jim, talking about death.
14: In regard to what is happening with the deaths of Al Wilson and Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, uh, where do you feel music is going and why are they burning themselves out like this? Well, I guess that great creative burst of energy that happened three or four years ago was hard to sustain. And for sensitive people, I guess... uh, uh, they might be dissatisfied with anything except you know the heights and uh, when reality stops fulfilling their inner vision i guess they could depress but that that's that's not my theory on why people die you know what is your they all <laughs> i've sometimes it's an, could be an accident sometimes it could be suicide Sometimes it could be murder. There are a lot of ways people die. I don't really know.
1: How do you think Oh. What a more question.
14: <laughs> I hope at about age uh, 120 with a sense of humor and a nice, comfortable bed with... Uh, no, I wouldn't want anybody around. I just want to quietly drift off. The
0: doors.
3: The Hollywood coroner says an overdose of narcotics, police say possibly heroin, is responsible for the death of the well-known rock singer Janice Joplin. Ms. Joplin was found dead in her bedroom last night. She was 27 years old.
0: We did a deep rabbit hole dive on Brian Jones from The Stones in episode 8 and 9, who was found dead at 27 in his swimming pool. Here's The Stones with Brian on Sympathy for the Devil.
13: Please allow me... Seal face. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name.
1: But what puzzling you is the
13: nature of my game. Stuck around Saint Peter.
0: Nearly there. This is the last of them before we take a short break. Similar in a few ways to the passing of Bon Scott, this next guy died as a visitor to London after a night drinking. The coroner also found barbiturates in his system and his death was a result of asphyxiation just as Bon Scott's was.
3: ...from an overdose of drugs. A friend said Hendrix had taken sleeping pills last night. Hendrix was only 24 years old, but he'd already made three records that sold over a million copies each, and his harsh voice and throbbing electric guitar were major attractions around the world than at the top rock festivals here, including the big one last year at Woodstock, New York.
0: Let's have a listen to Eric Clapton talk about Jimi Hendrix's passing.
3: The gap left in his personal life by his grandfather's death was matched in his professional life by the death of his friend Jimmy Hendrix. The night that he died, I was supposed to meet him at the Lyceum to see Sly Stone play, and I brought with me a left-handed Stratocaster, and it's the only I found. I've just found it. And I think I bought it at Orange Music. I'd never seen one before, and I was going to give it to him. And he was, in, he was in a box over there, and I was in a box over here. And I could see him, but I couldn't, you know, we never got together. And the next day, whack, he was gone, and I was left with that left handed Stratocaster.
0: <laughs> okay. Jimi Hendrix, Wind Cries Mary.
9: After all the jacks are in the boxes and the clowns have all gone to be you can hear happiness staggering on down the street.
1: Footprints dressed in the red, the wind whispers, "Here yeah, yeah. it."
10: Rumors,
0: in every episode, I want to include a funny, crazy, interesting, or obviously in this case, tragic story about one of the songs or artists. And today's story is about a band called Badfinger. One of these guys is also a member of the Tragic 27 Club, and it also ties into another suicide from a band member. This is the tragic story of the band Badfinger. Badfinger signed a record deal with the Beatles label Apple in 1968. At the time, they were called the Ivies, but changed their name to Badfinger in 1969 after a Beatles song called Badfinger Boogie, which was the working title of A Little Help From My Friends, which also features in A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, Episode 8 and 9. The band's career was plagued with management issues, mainly around money being stolen and withheld by manager Stan Poley included a publishing contract being signed by Polly with Warner Brothers, which promised a new album every six months for the next three years. By the end of 1974, Warner sued Polly and Badfinger for missing money. Polly was meant to put $250,000 into an account for Warner Publishing and the band to access, but he never did. The band were offered a tour to make some money, but Poli declined the tour on behalf of the band to make the band return to the studio in the hopes of receiving another advance, but the completed album couldn't be accepted by Warner Brothers as the label and band were in a legal battle and they wouldn't pay for the studio time. By 1975, the band had no money coming in and lead singer and guitarist, Peter Ham had just recently bought a house and had a baby on the way. The band tried to make some money through gigs, but were shut down because of their restrictive contract with Poli. Ham tried to call Polly on many occasions in 1975 but was never able to reach him. On the 23rd of April 1975, Ham discovered that all his money had disappeared, and after a meeting with bad finger bass player Tom Evans at a local pub, Ham returned home and hanged himself, leaving behind a suicide note to his girlfriend and her son. Anne, I love you. Blair, I love you. I will not be allowed to love and trust everybody. This is better, Peter. P.S. Stan Polly is a soulless bastard. I will take him with me. He was 27. After Ham's death, Badfinger pretty much fell apart. But in 1977, Badfinger guitarist Joey Morland formed a new band and asked Tom Evans to join and their label convinced them to use Badfinger as the name. In 1983, Evans and Morland had a heated argument on the phone over money and disputed royalties. After the argument, Evans hanged himself in his garden aged 36. Stan Poley was a proven fraudster and money launderer and, of course, lived to the grand old age of 87. Prick. Here's Badfinger with the Paul McCartney penned Come and Get It. Shit, we're nearly there. Once again, I'm gonna need to lighten the mood, so here's some great Keith Moon stories. Alice Cooper.
2: Nobody played better than Keith Moon. I always tell people, 30% of what you've heard about me is true, okay? Or Marilyn Manson, or Ozzy Osbourne. Everything you've ever heard about Keith Moon is true, and you've only heard a 10th of it. He used to come over to the house, to our house, and my wife and I are just married, and she had no idea who he was, and he'd stay for a week, right? And we would leave and come back, and he We left one time, came back, and he was dressed in a full French maid's outfit, and he was like, uh, "Hello, how you doing? I have done the, all the dusting in the house," and and my wife's going, "Who is he?" And I said, "He's the best drummer in the world. Just go with it, you know." And She says, okay, she says, I've got to go. She starts driving down the thing. She's halfway down Benedict Canyon in the car. And all of a sudden she sees these hands. He's on top of the car. And he goes,
1: hi Cheryl.
2: (laughs) I mean, this, and this was daily. This wasn't, he he drove a limousine into a swimming pool at the Holiday Inn. And I think it's still there because they just, they put a plaque there that says, Keith Moon drove this, this limousine into the swimming pool uh we were in a room one night where he forgot his tape recorder in a holiday inn and Pete Townsend's room was next door and he couldn't wake him up so he dug a hole through the wall to get through into the room and he got his tape recorder and comes back in you know at holiday inn's there, you know paper walls basically and the manager comes in and he goes what is that <laughs> and he goes rats <laughs> really big rats he says I'm not paying my bill until you get rid of these rats you know and we're going oh jeez. so finally the guy says well you've ruined the room and he said well how much is it and he says sixteen thousand dollars and he said we well, might as well destroy the rest of it then so he and the manager destroyed the rest of the room I mean broke the tv destroyed the walls tore everything up I mean because if I'm going to pay 16000 I might as well destroy the rest of it. And he looks at the manager and says, you want to help me? And they guy's, sure. <laughs> but that's like four days of his life. And that's only like 10 minutes of that day. There were 50 other things that happened that day with him. So the fact that he got to 32 years old is absolutely astounding. I mean, he should have been dead 50 times, you know. But still, the best drummer ever. When you hear him play, nobody could play like him.
10: Roger Daltrey. They loved us. The hotels, they didn't at first. Um, the the, the, gum, the uh, cherry bombs were not popular because they used to destroy toilets. Usually, usually with someone sitting on them. Because Keith Moon had this uh, in, invention of, uh, of he'd light the cherry bomb and he'd work out the, the timing on the fuse and he'd work out how many stories it could flush down a toilet mm-hmm. and what floor it would explode on. <laughs> So that he could never be blamed and he actually (laughs) blew someone up on a toilet once. (laughs) <laughs> and they didn't like that, but uh-huh. but after that, um, they suddenly sussed out that they could redecorate their hotels. So the Navarro Hotel, which it was the, then became the Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. um, I think we redecorated that whole hotel. So have you well, ever tried the to... Lincoln Continental in a swimming pool?
11: Yes, I've heard that, of course. And and it was on was... the
10: third floor, which made it rather difficult to get out. <laughs>
11: Was Keith Moon the one that drove it into the swimming pool? Yes. Okay, yes. so he had decided, i got to graduate from dropping cherry bombs into a toilet. <laughs> What's next? Hey, I know, Lincoln Continental in a third floor swimming pool. Yes, and, and right. it happened
10: to be brand new Lincoln Continental in swimming pool, third floor, on his 21st birthday. Wow. A nice and way a $50,000 bill to the band, which is nearly $50,000 more than we earned on the whole tour. Pete Townsend.
6: He is entirely to blame. <laughs> but for him, life was a constant party and a constant act. He was, a, you know, the consummate actor. He, he just wanted everybody around him to be entertained. And it, I mean, the, 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 the thing I remember once was we were late for a plane. We were in a car. We were driving to an airport. The airport was one of those in the States, which is like 50 miles out of town. We were halfway there. And suddenly he, he, he turned to the driver and he said, we've got to go back to the hotel. I've left something behind. I've left something. I've forgotten something. We've got to go back. We've got to go back now. So we all thought it was his passport or possibly something illicit and dangerous or something. So we, we, we quietly allow him to turn around. The car goes back. We drive back to the hotel. We wait in the car park. He comes back. He goes, oh God, okay, we can go. So I said, what was it you forgot? He said, I forgot to smash the television. <laughs> Monty
0: Python's Graham Chapman. I once went to see him in this hotel in London. Actually, there was only one hotel
3: which would accept him at the time. He <laughs> uh, was banned from most of the rest. He was staying there under the name of uh, Mr. Rupert Wilde, which was kind of ominous anyway. <laughs> and uh, I used to drink gin at the time, large quantities of it. Uh, stopped five years ago, had to. But um, uh, there was no gin in uh, Keith's uh, penthouse apartment in this hotel. He was right up there on the top floor. And. Uh, so he rang up room service and asked them if they could send up a bottle of gin. And 15 minutes later, they, uh, they still hadn't. And so Keith rang them back and said that uh, if the gin didn't arrive within the next ten minutes, their television set would arrive on the pavement outside. Uh, ten minutes later, still no gin had arrived, and uh, Keith disappeared out of the window, which I thought was kind of odd. Uh, I thought he probably walked onto the balcony, yeah. uh, but it was kind of 13, 14 floors high. Uh, a few minutes later, I looked out just to check, and there was no balcony. Uh, there was, in fact, a small ledge about four or five inches wide. Uh, there was no mess on the pavement underneath, <coughs> Check that. Uh, so he obviously crawled along, somehow or other, managed to crawl along this balcony. Uh, there was no other sign of him. So I just sat down and waited, knowing Keith, expecting the unexpected, as it were. And um, a few minutes later, he came back into the room, through the window, with a bottle of gin in his hand. He'd burgled the next door. Fantastic. A good friend. friend.
0: (laughs) And finally, have a listen to Keith Moon accept an award on behalf of the Beatles and then he dive rolls off the stage. You can check out the clip on the Golden Magic tab on the website, arockandrollrabbithole.com. And the winner is
1: the
3: Beatles. Accepting is Keith Moon.
7: I've got a telegram from the lads
3: we finally made it keith and uh, everybody that uh, has given us this prestigious award is enhanced by the beauty of your receiving it for us <laughs> i've got an open invitation to any other houses so afterwards the best looking in the audience will be selected and we'll be going there for a late luncheon and an early breakfast
9: thank you
1: so much
0: Thank you so much for listening and thanks to rob dean at cobra kai studios for the podcast music stingers and patty cummings at fingerprint audio for tech and web help and as mentioned at the start if you do want to tell me what i did wrong or could do better or got wrong in this free podcast that took me a few full days to put together you can send me an email at i will never ever check this email address at go at geocities forward slash poop and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Please rate, review and share the podcast if you have a few spare seconds. It really does help. And do hit me up on Instagram if you have an inferior Dead by 40 supergroup. I'd love to hear your shitty opinion. No, no, seriously, hit me up. Head to the website, arockandrollrabbithole.com for past episodes and for Spotify playlists of all the songs used in every episode. The podcast when I can, I'm going to add an example of the topic from a lesser known band. I have been using mainly my friends' bands, and praise be to Keith Richards, none of them had died before 40. But there's still time, boys, keep working at it. So instead, I'm going to use another member of the 27 Club, blues legend Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson's life and death is surrounded by mystery mainly because he died in 1938. This guy only recorded 29 songs and also 12 alternative takes of some of those songs, but he's one of the most influential musicians ever. Dead at 27 from unknown causes. Legend has it, he was poisoned by a lover's husband and also that he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his musical ability. This is the closest thing he had to a hit, selling 5,000 copies regionally. Robert Johnson, Terraplane Blues. Thanks again for listening. And I'll see you next week with a lighter episode. See ya.
9: below. I'm going to watch your hood, I'm bound to check you all. I'm going to hide your hood, I'm bound to check you off. I got a woman that I'm loving way down in Arkansas. Now you know the cause ain't even burden. Their generator won't get that far. Or oh, in a bad condition, you gotta have these badges charged, I'm crying. Please, please. Don't do me wrong. He read Nicole 100. And I'm booked and I got to go.